Welcome back to Clydesdale Media, where we bring you the best from the world of CrossFit. Podcasts, news, special interest, health, fitness. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button. Hit the notifier so you're the first to know when we have new episodes. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Good morning and welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Schweitzer. I am the Clydesdale. She is Stephanie Price. But before I get to her, I need to thank my sponsor, C4 Energy, Cellucor, and Extend. Make sure that you go to officialextend.com and cellucor.com for all your supplement needs. Uh, BCAAs, pre-workout, post-workout, proteins, whey, all kinds of flavors, all kinds of fun stuff. And with the code Clydesdale, you get at least 20% off your order every time. So the new year starting, New Year's resolutions, we need those supplements um, to make us recover better after these workouts. So make sure you head over again to officialxtend.com or sellucore.com and you use the code Clydesdale for 20% off. With that, I am so freaking stoked mm -hmm. to have on Stephanie Price. Stephanie, how are you? I'm great this morning. Thanks for asking. <clears throat> so we have a lot to talk about today because there is big news from Clydesdale Media and Stephanie and her crew um, up at the Pit Fitness Ranch. Um, we are going to partner um, probably the start of this year. So that's what, five days away? Right. It's coming right around the corner. So I want people to get to know you before we get to know the partnership. So you are a longtime CrossFitter. How did you find CrossFit? Yeah, I've been thinking so much about it. So first off, just thanks, Scott. Thanks for having me. I'm so super excited uh, to be part of this, this uh, program. So uh, we, um, it started really with a homeschool kids class. So it was a homeschool gym class. I didn't realize it was CrossFit. It was just homeschool gym class. We signed up for it. It's 2012. Uh, I had a, a new baby, um, surprise baby, around 40 years old. But uh, anyway, so my other kids, I have four uh, children um, that are school age, were school aged, and I, they were in this homeschool gym class. And I would sit in the room and uh, be nursing my baby and watching them out there on the, in the gym floor. And all I remember thinking was, you know, these are kind of strange. I mean, they just did a lot of squats, you know, <laughs> boy, they squat a lot. And this would have been the era of the, you know, the high knee socks with the sayings on them and the, <laughs> the uh, bright nanos. And, um, but I do remember uh, starting to sort of catch on that this was a really powerful a program in the sense that in its simplicity and its complexity. So, and my kids had a great time. So 2012 homeschool gym class. So I dove all into the high knee socks. <laughs> um, so I was there, I was a part of that headband, um, mm -hmm. neon colors, all the, all the fun stuff. Yep. Yep. So you see the kids doing this, what inspired you to start doing it? Yeah, well, I'm glad you asked. So I'm a uh, I'm a nurse and um, a middle aged uh, woman who 
for most of my life has struggled with my weight one way or another. Um, just, you know, I've always been fairly active. So I played basketball in high school and, and, uh, I did the step aerobics all through the eighties and nineties. And so I've always been a fairly active person, but, um, I kind of hit this spot after a, a, a new baby at 40 and realizing that I kind of had at least a fork in the road. You know, I could go one of two ways. There are probably other options, but um, I needed to do something to to consciously, purposefully, intentionally pursue my own health and fitness for the last half of my life. So I um, decided I did one of the January challenges, 2013, and uh, I jumped all in. Uh, and said, all right, I'm in. And, um, and then I think, as you know, from, uh, from CrossFit, it, it's usually once you're in, you're kind of hooked. And uh, I began to have great success and success being uh, defined by I lost 35 pounds. I did a whole 30. I learned just my mind was just open to so many things, pushing barbells above my head, which I'd never done in my whole life. I felt really strong. And uh, and just fell in love with CrossFit again. Just the modality of it. I'll I'll say it probably for a really long time. It's really genius, and it kind of captures everything that you need to to pursue health. So, I had that epiphany uh, at forty one in my life, where I wanted to get healthy. This is not the first time in your life where you had to make that decision. Right. And I, right. I want to, and, and again, I told you before we went on air that anything uncomfortable here, you can, you can decline to comment on, but you were an alcoholic at one time and you were at a very young age. I so was. Can you, can you walk us through that a little bit? Absolutely. So I always say, well, I was born at a very young age, but, uh, well, that's a joke, <laughs> but, um, anyhow, so, Oh, well, boy, you know, it's, it can be a, a four hour story or I can give it to you in about just a minute here. So. Um, so first off, I would say I come from a I have a alcoholism in my in my family history. So my dad was recovered alcoholic. May he rest in peace. He he died actually uh, four years ago today. He he had recovered. But uh, he um, and then my grandfather, may he also rest in peace. Uh, I actually watched him die of uh, esophageal varices. Uh, when I was 15 years old. So I kind of had this, you know, in, in my, in my genetics, if you will. And, uh, I started drinking when I was 14 years old, just the same way, just a lot of people do, you know, it was just to kind of fit in and, and feel part of something, uh, didn't really occur to me that it would be anything, you know, more, um, dark than that. And uh, I remember the first couple of times I drank was no problem. You know, uh, just we'd have a few sips from a from a bottle of whiskey or something from my parents bar and go back to school and talk about it. And that was really the extent of it. But then I remember this one time and it, and it was pretty early, early for me. And I um, decided I was going to do just that. I'm going to take this bottle of whiskey. It was a VO, which I don't even know if they still make that. I'm going to take it into my bedroom, have a few drinks and go back to school Monday and talk about it. And the next thing I remember is waking up the next morning and I kind of roll over in that like horrible, you know, hungover, you know, your eyes are like filled with sand, you know, and I look over and, and the bottle's mostly gone. And, uh, 
I remember being kind of baffled by that, kind of puzzled, you know, like what, what just happened? And uh, I didn't mean to do that. And instead of like a sane person would do say, I'm going to have to like, probably not do that again. <laughs> I, I said, I'm going to have to learn how to do that because the alcohol just really made me feel good, to be honest. You know, all the things that sort of inside, you know, we, a lot of us have that hole inside and don't even know we have it until it's filled. And then you're like, oh, I didn't even know I felt so bad. So alcohol really did something for me. And uh, so the short, the short story is for the next 10 years, I uh, really did everything I could to try to control and enjoy my drinking because I really had to drink. But I drank out of control almost every time I drank. And that's the first hallmark of the real alcoholic, which is I take a drink and something seems to happen chemically in me and that drink takes a drink, so to speak. And uh, if you know any alcoholics or, you know, you're suspicious someone might be, just kind of watch how they drink um, if they're um, letting you see it. <laughs> Sometimes we hide it because we're so ashamed. But um, that's a big hallmark. So. I fast forward way ahead, you know, I just, of course, uh, drinking, of course, causes lots of trouble when you drink that much. Um, but I managed to go to college and have a job and be a fairly normal, normal person in the sense of, you know, fairly successful by, by somebody's standards. But deep inside, I was, ooh, I knew I was in trouble. And um, fast forward to age 24, I was working in Chicago. I had a big fancy job and had an apartment right on the lake and sort of had everything going for me, but I could not quit drinking. And uh, no matter how much I wanted to and tried to and meant to and cried about it and talked to therapists and prayed and all the things. And it just hit me one day. I actually, and uh, and I'm, I'm go ahead to share this. This is uh this is pretty vulnerable, um, but it was a one and only time it's ever happened in my life. I had a suicidal thought and, uh, I remember hearing the the uh, bus, the express bus and on Michigan Avenue coming up behind me. And and I thought to myself, wonder how I could time this, you know, if I stepped off the curb at just the right time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, that thought literally sobered me in the sense that it scared me. And uh, so I called the one person that um, I knew was recovered with an ED on the end of it, alcoholic. And uh, I asked him, what do I have to do? And because uh, I'm not going to make it. And I knew I wasn't going to make it to 30. You know, I was 24. And uh, so he, he told me what I had to do. And the answer is really simple. Uh, I had to take the steps exactly as they were prescribed in the textbook Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I did that with a sponsor. And I've been doing it ever since. And uh, I've never had an issue uh, in 1996. So that was August of 1996. And I've never even had a remote problems. So I'm free today of all of that. And, uh, and most importantly, I have a, a, a purpose, you know, I can, I can share with others my own experience because there's a lot more in there, you know, uh, strength. And then obviously the hope of like, you can recover as well. And so I spend a lot of my time, my life's kind of, um, in categories and there's my job as a nurse, my work at the pit and then alcoholics and, uh, helping alcoholics and, they always take precedence, by the way. So if something comes up, but yeah, so that's really the short version. Of course, you know, that's a lot of years and a lot of experience and a lot of sponsoring and a lot of inventory and all of that, but that's the, the short answer. Well, 
I wouldn't be a podcaster if I didn't have follow-up questions, uh, but I'm going to try to make them germane to where we are today. Okay. So the, so the first thing is you, you said you were high functioning during your alcoholism. Mm -hmm. Were you a nurse at that point? I was not. So my first degree is in journalism, interestingly. So I graduated in 1994 from Butler University. And, you know, through college, I, um, oh, I got in trouble a couple of times for drinking, but I was really able to kind of hide out. And, um, you know, if you think about the, the demographic that we're talking about, which is these, you know, 14 to 22 year olds, uh, it's, it's kind of a place where you can, you can kind of almost get away with it socially, because when you drink that, I, there was a lot of people around me that drank almost as much as I did. Um, I will say, looking back, they drank differently, but uh, you can, you, I kind of got away with it. You know, I was just a, I was a partier, you know, or I, I party really hard. And, and that's exactly when I think I know where you're going. When I, um, you know, graduated college and got my first like real big, big girl job. Uh, I started to become like, mm, you know, that wasn't going to fly after a certain point. You know, you don't go to a, I worked for the American Medical Association and uh, you really can't go to a happy hour with the doctors and get rip roaring drunk. And, um, you know, so what worked two years before in my sorority was not going to fly as a, as a young person. So that functionality or whatever was beginning to wane. And, uh, but I did manage to, you know, graduate from college and, and appear fairly uh, functional. So was any part of the catalyst to become a nurse, your recovery from alcoholism? I think ultimately, I think almost everything I do and uh, even the work that I do at the, at the, at the pit, it is all a catalyst, meaning um, the, the, my, my purpose, my function in life, uh, the, there's a line in the basic text, page 20, it says, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon the constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. I'm pretty sure that's a direct quote. So uh, pretty much everything I do is just about asking where I can be of maximum service to God, because that's why I'm recovered, and to the people around me. And so um, I just happen to have an affinity for for nursing. And I realized when I became a nurse that what it was about nursing that drew me was the ability to walk right beside somebody through something very difficult. Because even getting stitches sometimes can be very difficult. I've helped a lot of women through childbirth. Um, so it's really that, yes, I mean, the short answer is definitely yes, because you're automatically when you recover from alcoholism the way that I did, you're automatically in the helping profession. <laughs> and so then it just becomes a, you know, how, how are you going to walk that out? And, and, uh, and nursing has been a, a great way to do that as well. So, so now let's look at it from another perspective. You started at 14. That is the age of the teen athlete in CrossFit. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian man. God does things in ways that make sense to us. How much of that, and I'm sure you went back and looked at roots to why you became an alcoholic. Yeah. And that, that is a very vulnerable age for many teens. Mm -hmm. 
when you see the teen athletes, were you drawn to them because of that age and what you went through? Um, I think maybe after the fact, I was really drawn into the teenage CrossFit world because my son, who was a CrossFit Games athlete in 2019 as a 15 year old, but for sure, uh, com- continuing in that teen world, um, I think all the kids know this if they're watching or listening, though. I pray for every single one of them, uh, literally by name. I pay attention to them. And a big piece of our uh, us at the pit and what we do is really about um, knowing, kind of having that understanding that like that's a tumultuous time and you're really trying to find your way in the world and things matter to you that we know as adults late don't matter, <laughs> you know, later as far as like how many likes you have and, and who likes you and what your body looks like and, and things like that. But they don't know that. And yet I know they're struggling. So it definitely, um, is a, is a driver to, um, I don't know. You can just look at some of them. I think of one girl and she's not an alcoholic by, by any stretch. Uh, she's a 19 year old, one of our athletes that comes to the pit and, uh, and I just, I know she struggles. Sometimes she comes to the pit and struggles at the pit, you know, and, um, you know, just looking for ways to support her and give her resources. And I think uh, the work that we do with our competition and our coaching and, and our camps and stuff is really designed to do that, to give these kids an opportunity to explore um, maybe a little deeper than just their athleticism and, uh, and, and so it drives every, literally every decision uh, that I personally make. And I know our, our team, uh, nobody else on our team is alcoholic that I know of, but they um, definitely have that, that same mission and objective, which is to really reach the kids' hearts, I guess is the easiest way to say it, rather than just their bodies, you know, so. So last, last historical question for, for you personally and that is, you were an ER doctor or ER nurse. I mean, mm-hmm. yep, I'm an ER nurse. So not also- not the cake cakewalk job. Oh no, yeah. And you know, it's really funny. I always thought about myself, and um, I'm so I was in the put in this gifted class when I was a kid, when I was second grade, and uh, I was was one class out of thirteen thousand students, like one class of second graders, and I was in it. And uh, there's a whole long story with that. But some days I was like, how did I get in the gifted class? Because I did not feel very smart. But within that gifted class, I was very average. I'm the same with CrossFit. So I like, I don't just like work out, but I do CrossFit, right? So like so many people are like, it's so intense, right? Within CrossFit, I'm very average, you know. Um, I don't just do nursing. I do trauma nursing, you know. So I kind of seem to always go for those more maybe intense or extreme whatever. Uh, and I think that's just a personality or what maybe the way God is maybe, and, and maybe very well related to, to my background. I love hanging out with the gritty hardcore people that, um, really like to dig in and, and get some work done. So yeah, ER and one last story, but related to your question, I knew I had, you know, I struggle a lot with my own body and, and, uh, and with CrossFit and, you know, how come I'm not further along and things like that. But um, 
So this was within the past six months. We had a code happen. So I walk into a patient's room because I'm checking a monitor or something. And I look over. I'm like, oh, she's not breathing. Oh, crap. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, she didn't have a pulse either. So I start uh, high quality chest compressions, and uh, which is the first line of defense or whatever against a, a, a code blue or a, an arrest. And uh, I start yelling for help. What's well, a really tiny, small room. It's a room that all of us on the staff really wish were a closet because it should, it is basically. So I'm in this room that, you know, this woman's not breathing. I'm trying to restart her heart and I'm yelling for help. And I realized we got to get out of here. We're going to have to go to a trauma room, a big room, intubate her, get, take care of her. So I climb up on top of her, straddling her. I'm performing chest compressions, which if you've ever done chest compressions or anyone out there listening, that is not for the faint of heart. You have to uh, go fast and you have to go hard in order to perfuse blood throughout their body. So uh, I'm performing these chest compressions on top of the gurney, on top of the patient and yelling at everyone to get out of this room. So they roll me down the hall, chest compressions, chest compressions. I think I probably did at least four minutes of chest compressions. We finally get where we're going. We get situated and I climb down off of her. And I was like, I have arrived. <laughs> like if I, <laughs> if my CrossFit experience, however, sometimes it feels a little bit lame compared to some people my age. I'm like, what well, if I can do that? I'm okay. <laughs> so, uh, and she lived by the way, the woman lived. It, it goes back to the roots of CrossFit, right? It's about being functional. Yes. And because, because you do what you do, you are able to do the superhuman when called to. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have only had to do chest compressions once when I was a lifeguard and thank goodness it was very short. <laughs> Good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't have to do it for very long. Um, so I, I look at your story and I think about uh, my friend, Amy, who's a co-host on the show, her mantra of I can do hard things. Yes. And that seems to be your mantra because it's never the regular nurse. It's the trauma nurse. It's never let's hold a competition. Let's hold a world championship for right. um, the teen division. So let's get into that. Um, you're a nurse. You have a kid who's made the games in 2019. You are um, ingrained in the CrossFit community now because you've been to the games, you've seen the backstage uh, because of Azariah. Did I get that right? Yep, Azariah, yep. Okay. And so then COVID hits. So what was the thought process? And if, and if people don't remember, as that season went on, canceling started happening and they kept trying to hold off different decisions but at one point, age groups were eliminated from the CrossFit Games. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so first off, I would just say that um, it's really about where I'm at. So I'm at the, the my affiliate, I'm wearing my sweatshirt today, but is a CrossFit Triple River. And uh, it's perched on the Pit Fitness Ranch. And um, the head coaches, Brock and Autumn Yost, are just... Uh, just amazing people. And, and I know everyone says that about their coaches, but this is, uh, this is truly that way. And the reason is where I'm going with this is because I had approached Brock. So we came after the games, we moved our family to 
CrossFit Triple River really because two reasons, the coach and the community. And uh, we just see something there, saw something there that is just different. And you know, we've all been around a lot of CrossFits and they're all really amazing. Um, but there's something special at the pit. And uh, I don't know, I saw it and I was like, my family's going there. So we went there and um, I had already approached Brock because Brock's a dreamer and a visionary. And I tend to be that way as well. And so I had approached him already with a proposal on how to have a camp for CrossFit teens, because I realized, you know, uh, from 2018 until 2022, we'd been to Granite Games a few times, Waterpalooza a couple times, the CrossFit Games, the fittest experience with my teenagers. And I realized that um, there's just not a lot, there wasn't anyway, a lot out there that was devoted to them. So I said, man, we can have a camp. And Brock is a strength and conditioning coach at the local high school. He's got just a knack for that age group. So I had already given him a proposal. So we were already kind of talking about some things that we might do. And then in April, I think it was April. Um, and and I'll just say this little tiny thing, you know, shame on CrossFit at that time, because they notified the teens via Instagram that their, you know, that their their games were canceled. And, you know, everybody was in a really strange place with COVID. So We'll give them some grace there. But the kids were just devastated, of course, you know, um, and I texted Brock. I talked to my son, actually, Azariah, and I said, you know, we could do something because the one thing we have at the pit is space, 65 acres. So we could keep them outside for the most part and not have that, you know, have social distancing. So uh, I texted Brock and said, you know, we should do something. We could. And Brock is so cool like that. He's a great leader because he will say, tell me more. Tell me what you're thinking. He doesn't just shut you down. He's very interested in um, the people around him that work for him and with him, kind of um, broadening their their talents. And so I said, uh, okay, well, I knew we would do that. You know, tell me more. So I started telling more. And so what we did is we hosted like a Zoom meeting back when everybody was learning Zoom, right? And uh we had some parents there. We had CrossFit there. I'm pretty sure Johnny Mack was on that call. Um, we had Chandler Smith was on the call. We had a bunch of teenagers. And we just said, would you guys come? Would you come to Michigan? And they were all like, we don't know. We don't even know if we can travel or what's going on. Because this would have been about April of 2020. And we just started putting it together. We just started putting some details. And frankly, we didn't know until about, we thought we might have to cancel the thing up to even as close as like two weeks. But when we got two weeks out, we were like, we're doing it no matter what, no matter who comes. And it ended up 46 athletes came um, and they were absolutely thrilled. It was, and it was a win. It was a win for 2020 when there were a lot of losses. So that is when I met you. Um, we had you and Azariah on the show to talk about what you were trying to pull off. And you were, might I say, relentless in your marketing push to get people to know what was happening. And I admired that so much in you at that time. Mm. And so a couple things. I want to show a clip from a documentary called Leave No Doubt. So people get a sense what the pit looks like. Because... If when you watch this clip, you're going to see something very familiar to the open division. And I think it's going to be pretty cool. So I'm going to share my screen and I'm going to go ahead and 
uh, run that. That's L&D Mountain right there. What what I love about that is the the pit is very much like the ranch. Mm-hmm. It is very old school. It is very gritty. Uh, you can see the the trails that they're forced to run with sandbags. Um, very iconic all the way back to uh, the ranch, 2016, and way before back in the uh, mid 2000s to 2008. Um, I, I, I watched this documentary and I was like, what these kids are doing is so freaking cool. They, we need to get exposure for them. Yes. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that we love the pit and it was not lost on us in 2020 that then the individual games were held at the ranch. And we, so we were super stoked at that sort of connection. And you also have a, there's a facility on site that I that did not, sh- I did not show in that clip. Um, that is a full gym. Mm-hmm. Um, it is indoors. It's, is it like a barn? No, it's just a big, beautiful building. Pretty, pretty okay. simple. Yeah. It's a 9,000 square foot CrossFit gym with upstairs has a jujitsu mats, you know, so, uh, and, and kind of a loft area where uh, parents frankly did a lot of, of viewing of their athletes. So 9,000 square feet, big, long rig, pretty, pretty standard CrossFit gym. And there is one other thing I want to point out in the documentary is this was right after a CrossFit games, teen CrossFit games athlete had passed away. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a, there's a piece in this documentary that is a must watch. And it is the parents of this, of this child it's jacob morris right jacob morris yep yeah and uh them wishing all the competitors luck right before they did a named workout for jacob yeah and it is very emotional and they are and the when the father breaks down i i lose it completely um but it is a must watch it's out on youtube if you have some time and you need to fill your day because a podcast isn't going on at that point, pull this up and, and kind of watch through that and see what these kids did in 2020. And uh, especially that tribute to Jacob. Um, and they raised money to get wall balls with Jacob's name on it uh, for that workout. It was super cool. Um, you got to check it out. Okay. So yeah, now, I've oh, go ahead. Friends. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say Chris, uh, Christy Morris and I have maintained a, a great friendship. Uh, they're amazing people. 
And what we've done subsequently at our event is we've uh, have our victory spirit award, which is similar to the spirit of the games. We've now like at, you know, for, uh, for eternity named it after Jacob Morris, because he really um, embodied that victory spirit, that, you know, spirit of the games. And so uh, it is now the Jacob Morris victory spirit award, and it will be until forever. And so here we are in 2022, almost 2023, you have held three championships or throwdowns um, at the pit. Um, how has it grown from 20, 2020 to today? Yeah, thanks for asking. So in 2020, it was really replacement for the games. You know, CrossFit, we worked a lot with CrossFit. Um, they didn't want us to use the name. We started with the word team games and they said, no, don't do that. <laughs> so we said, okay, we won't because we love CrossFit. We are a licensed event and we uh, adhere to all of their, their guidelines and we really appreciate their their partnership. So, uh, that's, uh, so in 2020, we had 46 athletes. It was really a replacement for the games in 2021. We were kind of like, all right, well, let's do the same thing, but let's do it better. Let's make a few adjustments. We do a very, um, rigorous after action. So we get evals from everybody. I kind of blackmail the kids with, uh, I'll release your pictures when you give me your eval. But um, we and we dig deep into their comments. We read every comment. We talk to parents. We talk to everybody. And so what we did in 2021, which was kind of a big year for changes, is I think the most significant thing we did was we added a rookie division. And that was really important to us because um, just for context. So last year, if I did my math right, about 6,000 kids worldwide signed up for the CrossFit Open. 40 of them in 2022 went to the games, right? So that's, that means there's 5,960 kids out there that are all just grinding, you know? And of course there's, you know, really not that many, but they, um, they're working so hard. So we, we thought, you know, there's this division here where these kids just aren't quite ready for this elite competition. Maybe they, some of them can't do handstand pushups, for example, or ring muscle ups. Some of them haven't are new at it. True rookies. So we added that rookie division which now we've turned into the junior varsity division because uh, there's still that athlete that's not necessarily a rookie, but probably will never make the varsity team, you know, if you look at that analogously. So we um, added a, a division. And then the other thing that was really important to us was we added that 18-19 division because within the teen space, I think, I think you know, in the, in the CrossFit uh, games model anyway, um, after 18, they literally just fall into this big abyss of individual athletes and you have your anomalies, you know, you have your, your, um, and then we've got like James and Dallin and, you know, guys like that, that are, are, do really well when they're 19 years old, but there aren't very many. And so we added that 18 to 19 and this year I'm super excited. We're adding 18 to 22. We're really kind of adding that whole collegiate division. Um, so that's how it grew. So we grew, we went, we tripled our size from 2020 to 2021. And then we stayed about the same when it came to number of athletes in 2022. We do anticipate having more athletes um, in 2023, particularly by adding that collegiate division. Um, but we're not really trying to, we just had a, a team meeting uh, of the minds recently where we talked about, we don't want to so much add numbers 
but we want to add quality and we want to just make sure that we get really good at producing a really good competition and, and really an experience for the athletes. Cause it's more than a competition. It's a, it's an experience. Uh, they'll all tell you that. So what I'm super excited about is the college level mm-hmm. aspect of this. Um, I know there are major universities that have CrossFit clubs um, that compete against other universities. And it'd be really cool if it eventually became a sport at the college level. And there's no way to really do that unless someone like you dives in and makes that division to show what those aged athletes can do. Yeah. You know, I don't want to give all my ideas away, but I would really love to see a league a league develop, you know, I don't know what you call it. I don't know if league is the right word, but basically where like all year long, the 18 to 22 is, is uh, competing, if you will, or, or part of some group or whatever. And then it culminates, you know, in, uh, in, in a competition or a series of competitions or something. I just love some way to capture them and give them a, a some space to, to, to compete. Yeah. And like you said, there are the anomalies like the Mal's and the Emma Carey's and the Olivia Kerstetter's. But for every one of those, there are hundreds that need to develop from a teen to an adult and have no place to go. Exactly. Yeah. And many of them are, I'm not saying they wouldn't love to go to the CrossFit Games, but that's not their only aspiration is to be a professional athlete. They're they're in CrossFit um, competitively because they enjoy competition, but that will probably not be their life's work. And, uh, and I think that's another component of, of what we're trying to do is acknowledge that the CrossFit Games is awesome. And of course, we support them and we're super excited. And many of them do have that goal, but uh, there's a lot more in life than one, um, you know, having one title. And so we really, are pursuing that with the kids, you know, trying to go for that well-rounded, you know, my daughter, for example, she's 16. She was a rookie. She was the uh, rookie division two years ago. She won the victory spirit award. She's a great athlete. She's real tall and, and uh, slender. And she just, um, she said flat out to me, mom, I don't want to compete. I love CrossFit just to do it, just to stay fit, just to hang out with my friends. You know, we have a group of teens at our gym and, uh, and I said, awesome. I love that about you. I love that you like recognize that we don't have to have the stress of, of, of trying to compete. So, and I think she's much more characteristic of a lot of the kids than, than that high competitor, although they're out there too. And we love them. <laughs> so I haven't even looked at my notes in this whole interview so far, and we're, we're getting low on time and I want to get to the partnership. Um, and so a, li- a little spoiler alert, a little, uh, self-promotion tonight at five 30, I am doing a Scott riffs on the lack of exposure across the community of CrossFit that we focus on the top five is what I always say. And you have had some of the big name athletes at the pit. Mm-hmm. You, you've had the Mal's, you've had the James, you've had all those people, but you're bigger than that. And there are way more stories than that. And 
the teen division gets lost a lot because mainstream media says that they don't get the clicks of the open division. My contention is we haven't given them a consistent coverage to determine whether that is true or not. Right. Good point. And so I said earlier in this podcast that your relentlessness to get this competition out for these people, I admired so much. And so by God's grace, you and I were in the same place at the same time a couple months ago. And we got to just riff off with each other about what's going on in this division. And so I asked you if you wanted to be a part of Clydesdale Media. And you have agreed. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> so what we are doing is we are creating a teen division under Clydesdale Media. And Stephanie is going to run that. And so I am super excited to bring you on. So let's talk a little bit about the vision that you have for this teen division and to get them a little more exposure. Yeah, thanks. So I actually wrote a couple notes myself. I uh, haven't looked at them either till now. So thanks. Uh, so I think first off, uh, most important to me is to tell this is to let the kids do a lot of the talking. Like um, I hope to really take a backseat and uh, you know, I'm, I have a degree in journalism so I can be a good interviewer, but to really let them tell their stories. So the first thing I wrote down was just the kids and their stories. They all have stories. They're just beautiful, wonderful people. And some of them are tragic and some of them are, are really uh, exciting. And some of them are really kind of average. And, uh, and I love that about them. So they all, every one of those thousands of kids that I mentioned has stories and every single kid that's been to the pit, I could tell you a little something about each of them. That's interesting. And I think that's, that's the uh, hallmark of good journalism is if you, you tell the story, right? So like, first thing would be that I want the kids to talk. So I already have some kids in mind that are excited to come on and, and, uh, and tell their stories, whether that be about something they've overcome or just a day in their life. You know, I've got a young lady I'm working with right now. She's going to talk about what's it like when you're a college student, but you're also a competitive CrossFitter and how do you manage all that? So number one would just be their stories. Here's, I feel like this is my secret weapon and it is talking to and about and for the parents of these kids. So if I saw one, if I could just had to just, if you just asked me, what's the one deficit uh, in sort of the CrossFit uh, overall coverage and, and attention, I would say it is the parents of these kids. So, and I, I saw that at the CrossFit games, not meaning to, you know, be, be critical, but you know, there were parents this past year, even this past year with lots of great changes that could not get into the Coliseum to watch their own teenagers compete after they spent thousands of dollars to get them there, but couldn't go into the Coliseum because they didn't have tickets. I was like, are you kidding me? I can go into the high school gym and watch my high school wrestler for $5 and I cannot get into my own. I mean, I was just like blown away by that. And so in my opinion, the parents are the VIPs. They really are the VIPs because A, I was one. <laughs> so I am one. So I get it. 
Um, and the parents are the ones that are, you know, I mean, the kids are working hard. Don't get me wrong. But parents are blood, sweat and tears and a lot of dollars and, you know, taking time off work. And many of them are coaches and athletes themselves. And so I feel like I want to do a lot with the parents, um, both just telling their stories, but also helping. I guess I'll use the word educate. You know, um, there's a lot of things I wish I knew when my you know son first started competing. So I think a devotion to the parents and having almost a parent advisory group to really um, to help out the new parents. There's archetypes of parents, by the way. There's the ones that don't know an AMRAP from an EMOM or clean and jerk from a snatch. And you have to really walk them through everything. So I think the parents is another big piece of this. Um, and just to piggyback on that one, just some ideas we've shot back and forth is to have an educational show for parents Yes. so that they understand the language, that they understand what their kids are doing on the floor. Um, yeah. So sorry. Yeah. I just wanted and to piggyback had, on that one because I'm. I've had parents message me, lots of parents message me, you know, how do I raise money for my kid to go to this competition or, um, you know, should they have this supplement or should they, you know, so there's a lot of like experts that we can bring on to, to talk about those things because parents really want to support their children and they don't always, always know how, especially if they don't understand the CrossFit, CrossFit world all that well. Um, and then can you, can you see the question on the bottom of the screen? No. From our audience. What's it say? Who is keeping them out? Keeping them out? St. Spiegel. Yeah. The parents from being able to see their kids. From the and Coliseum, it, it had to do with tickets, like, and I'm sorry, I don't understand all the details, but it had to do with like Coliseum tickets were sold out. But then when the age groups were in there, which was really nice, you know, parents were like, oh, yay, our kids get to be in the Coliseum. That's a big deal. But then, um, but they didn't have tickets. They couldn't get in. And instead of giving a parent, in my opinion, you give a parent a pass, my God, give them a pass so they can go in the Coliseum to see their kids. So it had to do with tickets. They didn't have tickets. Yeah. And I can expand on that a little bit. Go ahead. The Coliseum sells one ticket per seat. The age groups usually only get in the Coliseum for one event. Right. During the week. So it doesn't behoove a parent to pay another $500 Mm -hmm. for that one seat when their kid's going to be in the Coliseum for one event. And as Stephanie said, a lot of times... People do not go into the Coliseum for that age group division. And so there are a lot of empty seats. Yes. And all they would have to do is give them a pass and say, hey, just sit in the seat that's not occupied. Right. Yeah. And make sure you leave when your event's over so that when the seat ticket holder comes in, they'll have a place to sit. Yeah. And it it seems super simple, but it's been happening for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At our event, we have a rule. If your kid's competing, you get the front row seat right in front of their lane, period. If you're the parent and we've never, ever, ever had an issue. All the parents are very, and that's one thing that's nice about our competition. It's, you know, it's all the parents, <laughs> but the, uh, it's just, it was just an ethic that I was like, no, we're not, we're not debating that. You know, if your kid's competing, you're right there. And, uh, and so, yeah, no, that's a good question. And um, and then uh, we want to talk to just about the life of a teen, the life of a teen CrossFitter, because it's different. It's different than than many teenagers. You know, I was dr- getting drunk when I was fourteen, 
15, you know, like we talked about in the beginning of the conversation, but uh, these kids aren't doing that for the most part, you know, and or, or at all, really. Uh, and just what's it life like when you're training, you know, four hours a day, five days a week versus and you have to go to bed. All your friends are going out, but you go to bed because you have to train in the morning, you know. And what we found with these kids is they're a lot of them are anomalous in their in their community. So there's just one of them or maybe a couple if they're lucky. There are more sort of sprouting up. But they um, I know my son, his friends were all Instagram on Instagram. And occasionally one would come visit and train with him. And that was a highlight of the whole year, you know? And uh, so I want to really talk about their lives and what they're like, you know, what they eat. Um, when my son went to public school, he was homeschooled up until high school. When he went, I said, what do they make fun of you for? Cause I'm sure they make fun of you for something. He said, they make fun of my lunches that I bring <laughs> the food that I prep, you know? So talking about the life of a teenager um, and then two other things. And then I'll finish up is, um, the things that are unique to them. So some things that are unique to them are their bodies. So a 14 year old body is much different than a 24 year old body. Um, and what does that mean? Like for injuries and, and, uh, you know, metabolic issues and hormonal issues, things like that. Um, their social lives are different. As I already mentioned, you know, um, marketing to them has to be different. Their competition has to be programmed a little bit differently. I've been to competitions that tried to throw in a teen division and it was way too heavy or it was way just outside of their, outside of their scope. Uh, so talking about things that are different. And then lastly, of course, talking about competition, um, you know, and, and how you train for competition, how you prepare for competition and what are all the competitions? Because I will say it's super exciting. There are more and more and more competitions that are adding a teen division that are trying to pay attention to the teenager. Um, and we're, I'm super excited to talk to them about that as well. So I just want to add on that a couple other things we talked about were peer to peer interviews where mm -hmm. teens are interviewing teens or just like round table discussions. Like we have from a teen's perspective, there's a lot of things that happen in the sport that affect them. And we never get to hear what they have to say. Yeah. Thanks for that reminder. And they do have a lot of things to say. I think of uh, Delia Moises, who's um, she's a CrossFit Games athlete from Florida. She's a pit OG. She's been to the pit many times. Uh, she wrote the most powerful email when she saw something we had programmed. And she wrote the most well thought out, researched. She had even researched. She had statistics email of why we should not have these legless rope climbs in the, in the, whatever it was. And, uh, it was so beautiful. And I thought this is it because Scott, I will sort of remind everyone that like, these are our leaders. So in 10 years or 15 years, when you and I are trying to collect our social security checks, these kids are going to be making the decisions. You know, uh, my son is in pre-med, you know, he might be the orthopedic surgeon that fixes my creaky knees you know, when I'm 70 and, um, you know, these are our, our leaders. And, and I would just say that, you know, we talk about, so this can be in your riff, you know, if you feel this way, but I'm like, these kids should be getting a lot of attention because these are the ones who are going to be running the world in 10 years from now. And, um, you know, we should invest a lot. And we have found that, that we have a few sponsors 
that see that U.S. Army, Michigan State Police, Victor Grips, and they invest not so much because they get a ton of return financially on their investment. I don't even know how much they get, but they um, they see that like these kids are really important and they have a lot to say and they're brilliant. It is such an open market for mark for companies. I'm a parent. I would buy anything for my daughter to help her succeed. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and, but you don't have to convince me. You have to convince my daughter she needs it. And then once that happens, I'm all in. The other thing that we are going to do, and I've announced this on the flagship show, this show, that we are getting a handful of athletes that we are going to follow through the CrossFit game season. However far they get, whatever that drama unfolds, we're going to uh, get updates from them every week of the open through quarterfinals, through semifinals, and maybe the games. Stephanie is going to do the same thing for the team division to go side by side with us for who we have with the open division and the masters level athletes. And we have another division coming on that we have not yet announced yet that we'll be doing the same thing as well. You can probably figure it out. (laughs) So um, with that, we have a lot of stuff coming. We're starting at the beginning of the year. If you guys, and and I want to say just in, in what we were talking about there, Stephanie, Azariah going into pre-med, that's a story. These kids are coming from 2019 games athlete into pre-med. And I am sure that a lot of that decision-making was based on the life he led up until that point through fitness and, and his relationship with you in, in the CrossFit world and all the friends he made in that CrossFit world. And that is awesome. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, his undergrad uh, pre-med degree is exercise physiology. So <laughs> it just fits right in. Yeah. And there are a hundred other stories just like that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think of Jack Hoffmeister, so we... a boy who messaged me in 2021. He was at the game, at our event in 2020. He messaged me in 2021, nice, most polite man. And he said, Mrs. Price, I'm so sorry I can't attend this year because I'll be in boot camp. And uh, I said, Jack, thank you for your service. And, you know, these are the kind of kids that exactly, they all have a story just like that. So before we go, I want to do a quick screen share again of some of the logos that Stephanie has developed. So you know what to look for as they hit YouTube and Instagram and all of that. Um. And so I am going to go here. Sure. And here are the YouTube thumbnails that Stephanie came up with. So it is going to be called the Copper Hopper. And Stephanie, do you want to explain why the name of our team division is the Copper Hopper? Yep, for sure. And I'll just say that's uh, that was Kyle Southmade in that picture. Um He's an older athlete too in that collegiate division. Anyhow, so yeah, the Copper Hopper, first of all, you see it right there in the picture is an icon at the pit. So it's right at the, at the um, gosh, I see the east end of our uh, slag field. And you can see that's Leah Murphy there. She's from uh, South Carolina. She's pulling a sled um, in front of the Copper Hopper. And so it's some kind of an icon at the pit. But um, of course, it's more than that, right? So being a, a writer and a journalist and 
and just a thinker. Um, you know, the, the pit fitness ranch used to be a gravel pit and that hopper there, which is what I call it. It probably has a more fancy technical name, but it really did a lot of sifting and grinding and probably polishing. And if you think of rocks and, and, uh, you could take this analogy really far, but like, you know, they are, uh, really powerful, um, elements in the world, right? So they like, they build foundations and they, uh, they can be weapons and they can be tools and, and all of it. And these rocks go up into that hopper and are, are, are ground up and sorted and, and crushed and, and uh, spit back out. Right. And that's really what, uh, you know, CrossFit can do for you. It really can sort you and grind you and, and prepare you really to be useful. Right. So like, then these rocks turn into foundations on houses or, you know, whatever they might be. So, um, and then, you know, that's, li that's life too. And uh, kind of going back to a theme that you mentioned earlier, Scott, which is just, that's kind of my own personal, I mean, life is gritty and, and it's, uh, and it's, it challenges you and it sifts you and it sorts you and it shakes you. And um, you know, what comes out on the, on the other end of that, of that hopper, you know, is, is, uh, is really important. It's usually very uh, powerful. So I just liked it. Also, it's not, it's not uh, lost on me that the uh, CrossFit's own uh, newsletter is called the hopper. And uh, their principle is that, <clears throat> excuse me, you can take any movement, put it in a hopper, you know, spin it, pull it out. And you've got a, you've got a workout or you've got a, a training modality and uh, you know, it just kind of fits there. And it wasn't lost on me that there's a hopper at the ranch. Very different than the hopper you show in the picture, but an old-fashioned steel drum hopper that they actually pulled a workout from at the first ever CrossFit Games. Yes. Yeah. So it really all ties nicely. So I am super excited. I'm so glad that you've jumped on with us to do this. Um, we're going to start seeing content after the first of the year. Stephanie, I have to do a lot of hard work between now and then uh, to get some training and her access to everything. Uh, but I am super excited to do that and spend some time with Stephanie as she's just an amazing person. And I'm glad she took some time out this morning to explain what we are going to do in the future. I would just echo the thanks, Scott. It's been really a privilege to get to know you. And uh, I'm so stoked by this, uh, this relationship and uh, mostly for the kids so they can uh, tell you their stories because you're going to love it. And just a couple things before we go, some of the audience put in that, uh, thanks, Stephanie, we will be following. Um, they love the idea of the classmates. Uh, they have heard stories of classmates bullying athletes because of their lunches and the way <laughs> that they go about and are excited to hear stories about that and how they've overcome that. Um, a lot of people are giving suggestions on how to get parents into the Coliseum. Um, I will leave the negative comments from the screen about CrossFit and their lack of attention to this over the last 10 years. Yeah, I will say they have a new person in place. Her name's Becky. She's uh, athlete communications coordinator and I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful guys. So with that, thank you everybody for jumping on. Uh, we appreciate you so much. If you liked what you heard, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel and hit the notifier. So you're the first to know when new episodes come out.
And we will see you next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. Yeah.